Hey there film fans and welcome to another Spotlight episode of The Real Take. This week I'm getting so tired of looking at these four walls. I've got itchy feet, I long to travel and I yearn for a view. A view of the Arno River perhaps or a field of cornflowers or just the Tuscan landscape. I long to run free but I'm constrained by my Edwardian sensibilities. This week film fans we are taking a closer look at a movie marked one of the best British movies of all time. A room with a view. Let's roll titles. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and Niall have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Talking movies. Yes, it is The Real Take, the podcast by film fans for film fans. Please do like and subscribe to The Real Take wherever you get your podcasts and never miss another episode. And it's all very sort of manners and everything's very proper. So, mm. Ross, I don't know what's going to happen there now with yourself. <laughs> yeah, it was like talking with my peers. Uh, well, yes. you say you said that you're you're longing for uh, you know to to travel to see yeah. a beautiful thing, but I have to say that the best view is the view from inside. Oh, your heart. you see, I do think that you are him. I think you're Mr. <laughs> Emerson in in this yes, scenario. Yeah. I think you are. Yeah, mm. uh, we are talking about a room with a view. It's from 1985, British romance drama set in England and Florence, and it really stars the cream of the crop of talent. Uh, we have a very young. She's about 18, 19. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter we've got the fantastic Daniel Day-Lewis Dame Maggie Smith before she was a dame uh, Dame Judi Dench before she was a dame and uh, Simon Callowin there as well such a huge Denham Elliott before he was a dame yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got such a huge cast here and this is based on the novel of the same name by E.M. Forrester and I think it's fairly true to the to the novel as well um, this uh, was nominated for eight Academy Awards including Best Picture won three uh, got best uh, adapted screenplay, best art direction, and of course the costume design as well. It's got loads uh, of different awards and Golden Globes as well. And uh, in 1999, the British Film Institute placed a room with a view, um, 73rd I think it is on its list of top 100 British films ever. And I was introduced to this in my Leaving search year because we had to study it. And what a glorious film to have to study. So I watched it over and over again. And it's one of those ones that... I will just, I love, I've just got such kind of a fondness for it and I will, you know, go back to it again and again, really. Um, had you guys, Ross, you hadn't seen this before, had you? Hadn't seen it, hadn't heard of it, but I figured with a name like that, it was going to be like, you know, an action movie. It was, go- it was going to be an action movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll but give you a room with a view. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly the wall has come out. Yeah. I thought they were referring to like a prison cell, you know? Oh, no, it wasn't. No, and so no, were... I hadn't. Do you know what? I hadn't seen it, and I hadn't even heard of it. And with such a such a well known cast, I feel like I was surprised that it had kind of fallen under my radar. There you go. This is what the spotlights are all about. Mm. Educating mm. Ross. Uh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, you studied Rimmer of you for your leave start. Ross, mm. you studied blank check. Is that right? <laughs> Well, that was extracurricular. That was extracurricular. Oh, okay. We actually did another Daniel Day Lewis film for our Leaving Cert. It was uh, My Left Foot. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Uh, the films weren't invented when I did I My Leaving Cert. I was thinking that. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, certainly you couldn't watch a film. That wasn't part of it. It was all about it. the theatre. It was all about books and plays. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, I had seen it. 
But I confess to having what I call merchant ivory blindness in that a lot of the films meld into one. Now, in my defense, I would say it is also because a lot of them are based on. Well, some of them are based on you know, Forster books. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them have the same cast or certainly character, like, like the same actors as different characters yes. in these films. Uh, they're all kind of set in the, in the period. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I had seen it and I rewatched it for this. And uh, I'm not going to spoil what, what I thought. Okay. You, can, you can ask me at the end. We will, yes. Okay, <laughs> so the film opens in 1907 and it's centering really on uh, Helena Bonham Carter's uh, character. She's Lucy Honeychurch. I mean, what a divine name <laughs> that is. Yeah. Um, but she's and what a bold face she has. Yeah, she has the, the very... face of a bold girl. She does. She's <laughs> Even when she's being gun, good, yeah. she's being. You go. You're a bold girl. You're a bold girl. There's something going on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's unfortunate enough, God bless her, to be living towards the end of the restrictive Edwardian England period. And uh, you know, I, she's a young woman of some means. I'd say she's upper middle class, really. Uh, you know, so she's. she's... The, She's more than upper middle class. Well, I you mean, know, you see, you've got living... Cecil, who's very upper class, isn't he? Well, and he, I don't yeah, think what she's yeah. quite he the same. He, he says he doesn't do anything because yes. so he can afford not to do anything. Yeah. Now, she can also afford not to do anything. She talks about, towards the end, coming into her money and yes. then kind of mm-hmm. having a little bit of independence or whatever. But you never see... You, like her you see work. their house which is a fantastic house mm. oh no but the work is not especially not for ladies of this year no they um, didn't work they, in fact the only one who seems strapped for cash god bless her is, is uh, Charlotte, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that well you see maybe maybe Cecil is so um, you see I'll, I'll circle back because there's a comment made during a dinner party which suggests that she might be ever so slightly down a rung on the ladder compared to, to Cecil, let's just say, right? right? So she has the means to travel, mm. uh, but of course she can't do that alone. Um, she lives at home with her mother and younger brother, Freddie, who's amazing. And uh, like all women of a certain age, Lucy is expected to marry. And if, I, if I'm Mr. Emerson, then... If I'm Mr. Emerson, then Ross is Freddie. Yes, I think so, yeah. <laughs> the feckless youth. Uh, yeah. Like all women of a certain mm. age, she's expected to marry. However, she's kind of, you know, she wants to explore the world. So it opens in 1907. She's in Florence traveling with her spinster cousin, Charlotte, played absolutely tremendously by Dame Maggie Smith. And uh, Charlotte is the chaperone because, you know, young ladies would not be able to travel alone. Uh, but she's really a bit of a menace. She complains constantly. She's always in a fluster. She never says the right thing. And she absolutely meddles. So they're saying at the Pensioni uh, Oil and Holiday in Florence uh, but they're disappointed their rooms lack a view of the River Arno as promised and at dinner they meet the other English guests so you have the Reverend Mr Beebe played by Simon Callow two elderly spinster sisters the Miss Allens uh, and also the romance author I mean what a name Eleanor Lavish played by Judy Dench (laughs) uh, Dench, and uh, the free thinking Mr Emerson and his handsome philosophical son George and they uh, like I mean the first kind of introduction you have to George is he's completely silent but he has fashioned his food into a question mark on his plate which kind of gives you a little introduction as to, as to him he's he's on the hunt for the eternal why really in life uh, and then you have Eleanor Lavish um, so she's kind of 
you know, you've got all these different conversations going on. So she's telling them about where they should explore, you know, the real kind of unspoiled, rugged Italian oh, she, landscape. She's, you know, the she's, bo- she's the person when you go traveling is going, oh, you don't want to go there. If you want to see the real Italian, yeah. you need to go here. If you want to see the real France, that's just going to be touristy stuff. You need to yeah. go here to be off the beaten track. Yeah, she's, she's, she's got the inside track, doesn't she? She's you know? a great character. She's, she's a, great a brilliant character. character. Even in the early 1900s, people were still like that. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, and she's she's got these great lines, you know, she says stuff like, uh, like, you know, she's talking about a particular place in the Miss Allen saying, isn't that where we saw the field of cornflowers? And then she's like, oh, I'm more interested in the reckless rose or the tempestuous tulip, this mm. kind of stuff that she says, you know. Um, so the group over here, I suppose, Charlotte and, and Lucy's view predicament they don't have a view and you know you can say a lot there women don't have a view you know uh, and mr emerson and george um passionately offer to exchange rooms you know and uh, well it's more mr emerson, emerson isn't it yeah, mm. yeah george yeah. is kind of because i would be the like, equivalent I am, of like oh yeah I, would, I like i am my fuck give my room to this bitch <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean but he says, my view is within. I don't need... That's what Mr. Room. Emerson says, yeah. yeah. But yeah. George, George is the equivalent of, you talk about, you know, his, his question mark dinner. He's the, yeah. he's the Edwardian equivalent of a goth, is what he is, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have, the, doesn't have the, the clothes. That's the thing. No. He has to wear white linen suits and things. He does. He <laughs> Played does. by the fantastic Julian Sands. Yeah. Who, you know, I, I would know better from kind of what I would say more horror movies and those yeah, are the parts I think he yeah. played mostly in his career but as a romantic was, lead in this I, I was surprised was at how yeah, how, how well he was kind of like was. had a bit of a what was it Pride and Prejudice Mr. Darcy kind of like yeah. standoffish vibe mm. to him or something I thought well you see he doesn't yeah he's 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 really kind of he's not entertaining any of these kind of societal trivialities all their conversation is nonsense to him he's on the hunt for the eternal why come on ross keep up anyway uh this is all very improper charlotte is horrified at the suggestions of this change room uh but of course being britain mr beeb the reverend mr beeb mediates the whole thing and the switch is made and there's also a great bit as well where george has written another question mark on the back of a painting in his room (laughs) and the women are kind of puzzled they're looking at the painting going well what's he mean by this question mark and he just marches in and turns it around without telling them what it is uh, but there you go he's he's on the hunt for the eternal wife anyway uh, while touring the piazza del signoria is it the next day the piazza anyway no, piazza uh, del signoria there you go uh, lucy witness is a local man being brutally stabbed uh, yeah. She faints because, you know, Edwardian England. Uh, but George well, it's the appears. corsets, I blame. Yeah, I blame the corsets. Yeah. Uh, also, I would faint if I saw someone get stabbed in front of me. Yeah, so. in fairness, it's fairly, you know, it's fairly full on. Um, so they have this kind of, so this is their first sort of proper meeting alone because, other, you know, normally people, like I say, Lucy wouldn't be on They'd her have own to be that kind of thing. Yeah. And They'd this is kind of where, yes, me, of yeah. course. So this is where, you know, he's very bold in what he says. He just says... He heroically you know, carries carries her yeah. across, after she faints across the piazza, puts her sitting down and, yeah. you know, says, there you go, you're okay. I'll, I'll bring you back to the to the pensione. Yes, and then she tries to sneak off. She does, yeah. 
so strange. Uh, but we, maybe we'll get an, into, an insight into why she does that now in another little while. So the whole party uh, that was at dinner then, they head off on this excursion and it's a beautiful scenic area above Florence. And this is kind of where things really get in, interesting. So the men head off in one direction for a picnic and the women in another. And Charlotte kind of at this stage has grown close to Eleanor and she's enthralled of her story uh, about an older British woman who ran off with an Italian and married him. And they stop when Lucy's with them because of course that's not very proper. Uh, mm. But when she goes off uh, to try and find me, Mr. Beeb, they continue this. And then we're leading up to this, the best scene in the film. So Lucy asks the Italian driver who's brought them up um, and it's kind of, I suppose, appropriate that it's him she asks because earlier on he got told off by another priest. I can't think of who he is. Um, oh, well, he's, he's the the reverend from Florence. Isn't yes, he? he's kind he is. Of, yeah. yeah. And he, uh, Mr. Emerson has had a bit of a because Mr. Emerson likes to talk during the tours, doesn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> and he's very he's not like the others. Like he's yeah, very, he's not know, stuffy. Rough around yeah. the edges a little bit. Yeah. 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 And uh, so the Italian driver had pretended that his girlfriend was his sister. And then the reverend turns her off. <laughs> that was so funny. And, uh, you know, where he pulls a Jack White and is like, it's OK, it's my sister. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah. Round acting like you're like. He should be more alarmed if that was your sister. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the Italian way. That's it's how we put sisters passionate. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the look as well. Like uh, Again, I'm not going to spoil what I think of it, but the camera lingers on the poor yeah. sister, girlfriend, yeah. as she's put off and looks Left back in the middle them. of nowhere, hello. You know, <laughs> yeah. Left in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's walking distance, but it's a good walk. Yes, it is a good yeah. walk. Um, so he, the Italian driver, Lucy meets him. He's there just taking a break or whatever. And um, she's asked to find Mr. Beeb. However, he leads her to her heart's desire. There is George. He's after shouting out his his creed, as his father calls it, where he shouts about how wonderful nature is and beauty and everything else, and he's so overcome by it all. And uh, he's in a field of the beautiful kind of flowers and poppies and all that kind of stuff. And he's just soaking it all up. And then Lucy appears as if from the landscape, and he's so caught up at the moment of how beautiful kind of everything is including Lucy so he just kisses her I mean really amazing just amazing moment and you know it's it's in stark contrast to a later kiss yes that I definitely want to talk about that as well Uh, so so many you know you have this kind of big lead up and then of course Charlotte realises oh my god she's gone off to find him and I've left her on her own and she runs in and separates them and um, you know Charlotte's kind of flustered and she's like oh you'll only tell your mother what's going on because you tell her everything and Lucy's like oh I won't tell her and it's grand so then it's back to Britain for tea parties tennis on the lawn and Cecil Vice because it's pronounced Sissel or Sissel, yes, Sissel, Sissy. Because it's I mean, like you sissy, read it. Well, look, you read it, and I would think Cecil, yeah, or Cecil, but it's Sissel. They it's like Sissel. I, I just watched it today, and it's Sissel. It's like I've never heard that name C E C I L pronounced that way, played, but it suits the character. It does, Sissy, <laughs> yeah. really. Uh, played just fantastically by Daniel Day Lewis. It's just amazing. So he's this snobby upper middle class man. He spends his time kind of telling Lucy she's a le- like a Leonardo. Um, and reading nonsense and just so that would be the, the leader she's like the leader of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah, that, that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's one particularly creepy scene at, at a dinner party at his house and he's showing Lucy off to, off to all his kind of snobby friends and family and she's playing the piano quite you know lovely kind of we know she can play it quite passionately but she's a bit mm. more held back in this and his mother says something like she's coming along losing that honey church kind of thing you know so that's where I was mm. thinking she's a little bit 
lower. Well, they're well, seen they're, as being lower than them, I think. Yeah, well, le- yeah. later on we see as well when the family are all together and Cecil is there. Uh, Freddie plays a song at the piano. Like, they seem to, as as stuffy as all Edwardian English people are, mm. they seem to be a very loving family. Yes. They seem to enjoy fun, whereas yes. Cecil is a bit more... Well, he gets his fun in a different way, I suppose. I don't know. But you yeah. do get this idea that she is, and this is the thing, that she is a a, a possession. Oh, have, completely. Mm. Completely know. a possession. And that's the thing, you know. So she's engaged uh, to, to him and she's trying to kind of convince herself that she's in love with him. She's buried her feelings for George, like the good little English girl that she is. However, <laughs> fate has other plans. And it's completely ironic because... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, Cecil or Cecil whatever his freaking name is uh, he pretty much <laughs> ends up making it happen so he kind of you know he meets by chance he meets uh, Miss the Emersons basically George and, and his father um, in London and during the course of the conversation Mr Emerson explains that they're in need of country you know cottage somewhere where they can hear the birds and see green and see the sky and all that kind of stuff and Cecil says he knows just the place because he wants to get one up on a fellow that he calls a snob Sir Harry Ottaway. So mm. Sir Harry has, uh, he's looking for tenants um, for his country villa. Uh, now, in the meantime, Lucy has written to the spinster Miss Allens that we met in, in Italy and she's kind of invited them to stay there. Uh, but uh, Cecil tells the Emersons to move in, uh, which they do because he kind of sees them as being obviously lower class, bit rough and rowdy, and that this would show Sir Harry up. Um, so it's quite ironic that he actually brings basically George into town uh, so George is there and soon Freddie meets him and bonds and they go swimming in a scene that I just think is just so hilarious within within 30 seconds yeah. of being introduced to him he says do you want to go for a naked swim well he doesn't yeah. say yeah. that but he says do you want to go, go for, for a, a bathe? bathe that's it and yeah. George in fairness is like yeah yeah I do and yeah. uh, the re- then Mr. reminds Beeb. him on the way out. We're going for a bit, <laughs> remember? Yeah, yeah. Mr. Beeb goes along and he gets involved, and it's all very free spirited, isn't it? Yes, yes, they lose the shackles of their kind of Edwardian ways and they frolic naked yeah. in the water together. Very uh, not in keeping with the tone of the rest of the movie. No, I was not expecting to have three penises <laughs> <laughs> bouncing around on the screen for quite so long. <laughs> oh, you see, this is now where Ross is getting. He's gonna, you know, he's he can't cope with this. Like he can't. Cope no, with I the, think you know. I, I think he he's, he was expecting more, and he's disappointed. There the went sense of dis- 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 bouncing along. Yeah, and it of just course, seemed uh, a bit out of place. Well, but it's very funny. Well, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's from the novel. I'm assuming yes. they didn't just go, we need a naked yeah. swimming scene. I'm assuming it's from the novel. And it I guess is, yeah. it's, um, and it is very funny because, of course, they're, they're, they're frolicking along. Like, literally, they are. It is literally like it goes from ah oh, we're going to jump in the lake and oh we're splashing each other and then suddenly they're running around and pushing each other over yeah. and, and throwing they're dragging each other's clothes in, into dra- the yeah. lake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's but very of course, funny. what happens then though? Yes, because you see Lucy and her mother and Cecil are out walking and uh, he is just hilarious because they come upon them all of a sudden and it's absolutely hilarious and he's there trying to lead the women away batting batting and swatting the bushes away to safety that they might be you know they're, <laughs> like they're, he was leading an exhibition through the yes, Amazon jungle like he's something. leading that's exactly yeah. it and um you know you, you mentioned um 
you know, the other kiss scene. So we have, you know, this amazing scene in, you know, Florence where George grabs um, Lucy and just passionately kisses her. And it's this amazing kiss. And then Cecil, who she's engaged to, he at the sacred lake which is where they are but this yeah is, so know, i think the kiss or the, what the scene you're talking about has come before the yes naked it swim. has come yeah, before yeah. the naked swim and uh he asks her first of all so that's the mm. first thing he asks her nothing he, wrong with that want to make that clear ask her. Consent. And you know what? i'm actually i'm gonna yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna play this for you because i think it's just it, it speaks volumes in the clip mm. let's let's hear this clip i want to ask you something that i have never asked before what, Cecil? Yes? Up to now, I have never kissed you. No, you haven't. May I now? Well, of course you may, Cecil. You might before. I can't run at you, you know. imagine that lucy's maybe first kiss was with george okay mm. so she kind of almost goes to try and replicate that passion and she knocks cecil's spectacles off and he's completely <laughs> not able to cope with her you know mm. um i suppose anything really <laughs> well i like, think Cecil's yeah. like uh, he, he has no expect... interest in in sex no no but no. he would expect mm. her to like a lot of edwardian men i suppose um just to stand to there stand impassively, there yeah. yeah. <laughs> that he makes no, the and move. why, why? Well, even why, and he, and he will just mush his lips up against hers. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's just there's an absolutely no passion at all, and then they just completely just carry on walking, and she is instantly transported to the memory of the kiss mm. with George then. And, you know, there's, I mean, I, I don't know if I should kind of go in any further. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a huge amount to really kind of spoil in this movie. It is, it is what it is. There's no kind of twists and turns. No. I mean, you know straight away what really is going to happen. Mm. I mean, it's mm. a love triangle being played out really here uh, amongst the drama of, you know, class, society, how one should behave, how you, one should live their life, how one should deny feelings that, you know, how you should marry into your own class. All that sort of stuff is is all kind of, you know, coming to the fore. And also the woman's place and about how women can, you know, at, particularly at that time, like like I say, just had to marry within their class, not necessarily for love and maybe had to deny all of those feelings and those wants and desires for somebody else because it wasn't the proper thing to do and you'd be letting down your family and all of that. Now, in the book, it's very much implied that Lucy does let down her family whereas in this um you kind of get the impression that the family were on board with right know, more supportive yeah. yeah yeah um but i think there's so much to kind of take for this like first of all the amazing stunning seek uh scenery and and scenes oh, of florence, florence. And yeah, yeah. amazing and i mean i yeah. really want to go for tea in 
uh, Windy Corner, which is um, the name of the house in, in England as well. Like, it's just, it looks amazing. Uh, mm. It's got this gorgeous kind of, you know, this Shropshire kind of countryside kind of vibe, whatever going on. Um, the costumes are gorgeous. The characters, I mean, the cast are all playing their parts so, so well. I mean, even the likes of Eleanor Lavish, uh, Judy Dench, who's only in it for such a short time, makes such a memorable appearance. I mean, Dame Maggie Smith as the, the flustering charlotte who doesn't even have a bob for the driver when she arrives mm. <laughs> like she's just oh uh, like, i mean that, that is so funny. funny and is i i i was a little bit confused and then i thought about it and i went oh that's what happened and correct me i could absolutely be wrong here but she gets off the train mm. and gives her ticket to the to the conductor or the what would you say the guy at the station yeah. and he goes no this this is a ticket for this the last station back so it's like she didn't even have enough or didn't she tried to get away with paying for a ticket that didn't take her all the way to the yeah. station that yeah. she was going to. Yeah. And I then, get the impression that she had got off the wrong place. Yes, then, no, she yeah, but to then, get the cab it, to bring her yeah. back to where she was supposed to go. No, off, but you see, there, there's a whole thing as well. There's a whole discussion because that's where that's where George gets off as well, because that's where he meets her. So it is the right station. Oh, and there's yeah. a whole discussion about the fact that the station is five miles from their house when uh, when they're having the announcement of the engagement uh the guy go oh the railway station five miles and his wife says oh it's only a short distance in a on a bicycle you oh know what I mean? yes yes because that's right. what made me i was going oh she got off at the wrong place well then why did george get off there because like they are in like where george is staying and mr emerson is staying is i'm going down to... a massive yeah. rabbit hole here usually Ross would be going but that's the wrong bus route <laughs> <laughs> um, because they are they are in walking distance of the the house that the that the the what are they called the honey the honey church um, the honey church is living because literally when Cecil and her go for a walk they walk past the reverend's house they walk yes. past the house where so it's all kind of in a, a very close proximity oh, yeah. this I is think she was trying bridge. to yeah. I think she yeah she was trying to get away for you know to get all the way to Dublin on a ticket for swords or something you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no, she strikes me like that and she just seems to be always kind of all over the place like and yeah, yeah. and like everyone's like poor Charlotte you know and they're all <laughs> sort of trying to help her well you get you get the idea if not that she had a great unrequited love in yes, her past that she longed for it you know yeah. because mm. uh, again not to spoil it the film uh, but she becomes a much more sympathetic character yes. towards the end as I would argue does Cecil you know when he yes when she like breaks he, off the engagement you do yeah. want to just hug him or something yeah and yeah. he takes it incredibly well now he is an absolute bore and oh, for God, a yeah. lot of this movie and Daniel Day-Lewis plays it to a T yes. absolutely mm. he is he is a bitch first of all he's <laughs> bitching about everybody yeah. and he is pretentious and he is mm. awful and you just get the idea that he whatever his idea of love is is not like it's not it's it's ta it's to it's the idea that they would look nice together as oh, they yeah. walked past windows you know yes. and saw their reflection um and, you know, he does, I suppose, he, like, it is this kind of, he's read it in books, you know, and he won't play tennis. No, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't want to do anything that's going to kind of, he wants to sit around and, mm. you know, scoff at everything and mock everything. Like, even, yeah. even uh, Mrs. Honeychurch remarks on that when yeah. Lucy is, um, 
helping her dress you know like must he mm. always mock and kind of yeah. you know roll his eyes and kind of you know even at freddy's kind of like there's you know like that freddy and him definitely won't have yes the same kind of you know Fred, but freddy's on to freddy's on to him from the start because he asked for freddy's permission doesn't he, he does. before he proposes he and freddy went yeah. i told him no but yeah it didn't yeah, stop yeah. him yeah. It didn't stop but the, the, after he gets uh after she tells him that she's not going to marry him there's a beautiful moment where yeah. he just sits on the stairs and puts his shoes, shoes on. on. And yeah. that's exactly it, isn't it? Pick oneself up by the bootstraps mm, and carry yeah, on yeah. with that stiff upper lip. Although, and that's the British way kind of thing. And he, he does, he does the say. of stiff upper lip. He is, yeah, but he, the way yeah. he even holds himself is so straight. Yeah. He looks like oh, a Oh, he's oh, like God. a ruler, yeah. But he yeah. does say in a beautiful moment uh, as he lights a lamp for her just before he puts his shoes on. She's going upstairs and he lights the lamp for her and he says, thank you for showing me what I am so you would hope that he he mm. becomes a little more self-aware yeah. and finds love you know but certainly Lucy wasn't the one for him no, no and she says it kind of what's great about that is she uses George's words that he said to her um, because you know really what like there's a there's an amazing scene as well where they're all playing tennis except Cecil <laughs> he's like <laughs> reading from uh, what we don't realise is Eleanor Lavish's book it's and Eleonore Lavisha. Yeah. It? It's got an Italian, the Italian thing. thing. Yeah. Uh, and um, and she, no, he says it like that, and she goes, Eleanor Lavish. Um, <laughs> but uh, what you call it? He 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 basically reads out their kiss mm. in Italy in front of them, and then yes. George uh, decides to take the moment again, right? You know, under. Cecil's nose I suppose and then she decides because she has to do something in this moment Lucy and she can't because she's too terrified to actually say that she cares for George and to actually go down that sort of route so she tells him to leave and never come back and she kind of and calls Charlotte out as well for her meddling ways um, but again we kind of see maybe why Charlotte meddles because like you, oh, like you yeah. point out Niall you know she's maybe lost a love or she's there was something maybe in her youth that you know she didn't get to fulfill mm. um, fantastic and, uh, line in that scene yes. where Charlotte says uh, oh I shall never forgive myself and Lucy replies so, but you always seem to don't yes you? and like she that. storms <laughs> out after her. yeah yeah, yeah. But uh, George basically says, you know, that, you know, he doesn't love you. He just sees you as something to admire, like a Leonardo mm. or like a, a painting. Raphael uh, or yeah. Donatello or a Michelangelo. Yeah, Calabunga. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, he doesn't actually, I want you to have thoughts and feelings and, and hopes and dreams for yourself. And you're kind of going, oh, my God, it's you in England. Hopes and dreams <laughs> for oneself and a room with a few. Oh, my God, sold. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so you kind of see... And like that, you know, from the get go, because of how forward he is with her, even in Florence, like before the kiss, when he rescues her from the when he when she faints, you know, he says it like it is and he doesn't hide behind societal niceties or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but enough about the, what I think, Ross, <laughs> go for it. Come on. Oh, no. I know I'm waiting here with bated breath. I might faint if he fucking <laughs> says it in bad. <laughs> I enjoy watching movies that you guys pick. And uh, oh look, I, I always try to give you the benefit. Of the this day, is what's know, called and... the compliment sandwich. Is this? Yes. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this in a nice way. Uh, I thought a room review was elitist nonsense about rich use of people <laughs> and their silly posh melodrama. <laughs> That's oh, what I thought Ross. about room review. Come, I'm come. sorry. The views of, of Florence are fantastic. Uh, Ian Foster, is that a man or a woman, by the way? Man. That's a man. 
Is it really yeah, because yeah. the character, yeah. the character of um, oh my god, of George oh because Emerson. it really, it really seemed like it was written by a woman. No, like yeah, I'll tell you why because <laughs> the character of George Emerson seemed like. Do you ever see badly written characters and it's clearly a man writing a woman? You're like, okay, a woman, like uh, you know, they clearly don't. Julian Sands is such a oh mysterious. Yeah, I, I fucking hate that character. I thought I what? hated that character. Just, and I thought not like there was the no Ross. He's very exactly. different. Exactly. That's why I thought it was like written like by a, a woman who like sometimes you ever read a character like this is a terribly written man, you know, and you think it was a, a woman who wrote it. Like all those ones in Pride and Prejudice, you're like fucking hell, those are terrible so characters. So what I'm getting is re- he does not like anything that's in the literary canon. So no. I mean, it's like you're bringing up Pride and Prejudice there. Would you see no merit in Pride and Prejudice or Jane Austen? No, or I don't like it. Love? I think it's terrible as well. <laughs> I think it's really awful. It's just posh people with their fucking trivial oh bullshit. Oh and yeah, no, no. You much prefer, uh, you know, stories where people, you know, get a check that has a million dollars and they're, they're not actually posh. At they least live that's in a, a massive rich... big house. Anyway. Yeah, I like a rags and to then buy story. a bigger house. Yeah, right. but like with this, it's like, like she was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go with this guy," and then she does, and everyone's cool with it, and that's the end of the film. You're like, "Okay, she's just done this from the start." Plus, your man's a bit of a dick, isn't he? Like, he's like, do you know, George. George. Yeah, like the dad's cool. The dad's cool. How is George, George a dick? He's just a bit of a moody little. Do you know, he's like, looking yeah. for the eternal why. Okay, Ross. now the, the, the more you say that, the more I'm on Ross's side. Actually, you know? that's insufferable, isn't it? Imagine, imagine um, that. I mean, he just yeah, hate him. Well, look, I hate mean, him, he's he's, he's an antithesis to Cecil, isn't he? Or, yeah, uh, you see, that's Cecil, why he's yeah. set up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He is, I would argue, as well. Like he's a little. Um, I I mean, look, he's not wealthy. Like he goes off to work. Mm. In this, in London, you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't know how. The, I don't. I'm I'm fascinated by him and his dad, because the dad seems to have been a, a journalist or something. There's something in the past there, mm. because yeah. when they ask, oh, what did your father do? Was he a writer of some sort? He said he was a journalist, and uh, he was, and it's like always oh, retired, and he doesn't, you know, he and is very taciturn. He's a very taciturn yeah. character, but you kind of go, there's something there, but yet they can't afford to rent this. Villa, you know kind of massive yeah. like it is a villa i didn't know they had villas in shropshire but there we go yeah. um it's quite lovely though shropshire looks gorgeous mm. oh it does it looks yeah. as nice as as well not maybe not as nice as florence but on a par with you'd want to <laughs> yeah. um but uh what i i would i can see maybe what you're saying about like it is only helena bonham carter in her first film role i think her first feature mm. film role yeah it's only her charisma that makes me not hate that character because she does seem to just be a little bit like i'm going to do this i'm going to you know what i mean a little flighty is not the word but just it but helena bonner carter just manages to convince you and like i say yeah, she she's has enough this charm little, to little bold face on her you just go mm. oh yeah. yeah okay i'm gonna forgive you of course i am god <laughs> <laughs> but no it is it is seriously though it is very hard when you've not done the extensive research like Sinead did in her for her leave insert, yeah. um, and I did just because I am just very well read on everything um, about <laughs> the era that it's set in, I can see mm-hmm. how you could come away and go, "Oh, I just don't like it because it's all it's all rich people." Well, you see, that's no, the thing. It's not, yeah, it's it's not the ri- it's the it's the hoity toity <laughs> stuff for it. And the way when he grabs world, her in the field Ross. and starts shifting her, he was like, there was no indication that she was into him at all. He was just like. Yeah. Every woman wants that. 
secretly. What, to be attacked in the field? No, it's not an attack, Ross. Don't look at it so seedy. Come on. Now, look, it's, it is There's what it is. I do think. I do think that Ross have, might have a point. If it's you're a looking bit Mills for and Boone there now, come on. No, but if you're looking for how to have a relationship with an actual person, I don't think just running up to them and feeling stuck in them is what the way to do it in modern times. Because no. I think there's too many people, men, have, have learned the wrong lessons from rom-coms yes. and romance novels and all this and think this is what women want. It's like, no, I think maybe what women want is halfway between Cecil and halfway between George, you know? Yes. You want someone who is going to be passionate because, is it okay if I kiss you now? And they go, uh, yes. You don't really <laughs> want to ask someone to ask you. Yeah, come on. And they'll play tennis. You want like, someone I mean, who'll play tennis. You want yeah, someone who can play to, tennis. I mean, like, yeah, yeah consent, whatever. Like, I mean, you don't have to physically say, can I kiss you? No, but I mean, like, I, I do think, I, I do think Ross is right. Like, that was just like, she was walking down. Now, she was, she saw him, she spied him, she was kind of walking down. She like, still went to him Maggie and Smith, he was on his own. Maggie Smith knew something was going yeah. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> she was going, oh my goodness, Maggie Smith no. just had one... <laughs> She had one. She took one look at the look in Julian Sands' eyes and says, "I don't trust that horny little bastard." Yeah, that's but no, but that's that's that's. But end. that's exactly what a chaperone's job was. Yes. Yeah. Any man, it was. I don't trust that horny little bastard. Yeah. <laughs> like she, they literally say, um, uh, "I would have given you the bigger room, but this is where he slept." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. god. Yeah. There's like there was some scent. kind of lingering scent of manhood in there yeah. that would yeah. get her all. Uh, but look, that's that's. It was of its time. It's, it, it is, is of, of its, its time. time. And, and look, I was surprised um, how funny I found it. Oh, it's and I, very not, funny. Not funny in a, oh, look how twee it is. Or, you no. know, I wasn't laughing at it. I was laughing at bits that were genuinely funny and were supposed to make you laugh. Like Cecil because, swatting the fly away as yeah. George has just passionately embraced her in front Absolutely, of him. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's just so comical and the way he does that. And also the lake scene, obviously, as well. Mm. And Freddie's quite yeah. fun. His yeah. character is very fun as well. And he brings moments of light relief to the whole thing. Like, you know, and Charlotte mm. in, in her clumsy, awkward. Oh, no, no. She's very, very funny. Very funny. And um, I have because I don't think we've mentioned him. Simon uh, Callow. He's great. Uh, He's is Reed, great yeah. as the chain smoking. Pre- <laughs> 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 chain swimming. smoking <laughs> reverend who who from the start kind of clocks Lucy and says, you know, he, he hears her playing Beethoven and goes, she's so yep. quiet and timid, mm. and yet she has this passion inside her. And yeah. he gets that straight away. And when he's told about her and uh, Cecil getting married, it's like, oh, oh, you know, oh, I don't think that's going to work out. You can hear him yeah. think yeah. in his head. Yes. And when it when it when when she does break it off, he's kind of, he's kind of, yeah, well, yeah, I could have seen that one coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he is, he is. He and brings a bit of levity to the whole thing. Or no, yeah. sorry, a lot of levity, but um, brevity? Well, that would mean it would be shorter. <laughs> he yeah. made the film shorter. <laughs> um, no, he's just, I think maybe you like him because he's not posh, is that it? Yeah. No, no, he, he, no, he's definitely like, he adds a more human element to it. And yeah. he humanizes uh, Helena Bonham Carter's character yeah. as well. He's kind of, in some ways, I think he's like, he's like the viewer's point of view in some ways, I think. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 that could be. And it, I mean, it, it, yeah. the other, like, she is, I'm giving, I've given her a hard time, but 
like she what is she 17 18 yeah you see she's still only very young like i don't even think she is 18 in this really uh as in she's about to come into her money she says so maybe she's about to turn 18 and like that she's you know she's getting to the stage she you know she like that she's she doesn't it's all so kind of i mean trust upon her in a lot of ways Mm. like you know she's she's had this whirlwind kind of what's going on with George romance is it I don't know what like fling I suppose in Florence with him and she's not sure what how she feels about that and then she's supposed to you see it's all this kind of duty supposed mm. to marry you know yeah. uh, into, into there's the, a very like a nearly blink and you'd miss it line or you know put your finger in your ear and you'd miss it line where she's talking about the the lake where yes. where this the infamous lake. swimming scene yeah. the sacred lake happens later on and she mm. talks about that's Freddie obviously still goes there yeah. and goes naked swimming and she talks about it, and I used to as well until I was found out and yeah. it's like well that's not proper you like you can't mm. you can't have the same life you know no. because you're a woman in this uh, in this era yeah and I loved as well I loved the music the 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 kind of theme tune O Mio Bambino Caro song mm. that's played throughout as their sort of love love theme i mean i like you see i love i'm a big fan of period dramas just generally as well mm. and i love that kind of all get lost and swept up in the romance of it all whether it's kind of something that would necessarily happen today or not do you know that kind of way and it's mm. all like i mean there's another one that i was going to pick and actually i'm definitely going to pick it now just for you Ross. <laughs> uh, just to spite you just to spite you and this now is very uh you know this is kind of like will they won't they kind of yeah. stuff uh the remains of the day with anthony hopkins and emma thompson and that's mm. very proper and they you must play. have seen that one, Ross. That's a great well, one. What is it about period dramas that people are like, especially this area, where kind of well off, obviously not working as much, very posh, very prim and proper. No, but these guys in this one don't—they're the servants mm. in the big oh, house. Right, okay. No, so, but I mean, like Ross is right there. I mean, obviously the success of Denton Abbey—that's oh yeah, yeah. You know, um, even though I've never ex- actually watched Denton at all. And I'm, I, I, I do love period drama I, stuff. I, I think there's a certain fascination, I think, with that yeah. period and mm. with the the societal rules that were there yes. at the time, the constrictions, uh, particularly on women at the time, mm. uh, the romance there as well. It, 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 I don't see what is so inherently romantic well, about that particular period. Uh, well, I think, first of all, one of the reasons, not so much, but with this and a lot of the other adaptations with Merchant Ivory, is that they are based on books of fiction that have yeah. just been you yeah. know recognized as classics mm. you know yeah. um not so much with denton abbey denton abbey is essentially a soap opera but it's yeah. with the lavish trappings of all these things you know um yeah so do i does that answer your question at all i don't think so no not really <laughs> i think there like, is a fascination though with this idea of you know the big house and the you know like i mean everything was like like even they dressed for dinner like i mean there was mm. so much kind of you know ceremony and kind of tradition and all that wrapped up and stuff like so like we're 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 not used to any of that you know and like that you know there's um you know how did they live because like there would be an interest i suppose from a historical kind of viewpoint like how do Mm. they live like i mean just to kind of side reference as well like i'm a big fan of um local author nicola Casti's work because she does a lot of that she um sets things in big houses and things like that you know she she pulls a lot from local history as well and you know it's there's a there's all of that uh that that feeds into it uh, so i think i think 
there is that sort of fascination with what how what would it be like if we lived back then kind of thing you know and look mm. at their costumes isn't it all very proper and all that kind of stuff i think that's just what it is it's just simple kind of like you know some people escape into i don't know love island Sci- or, or science fiction <laughs> or, or science fiction it's the same yeah 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 it's i mean I, this could be a, yeah could be a i don't level of uh, british people thinking do you remember when britain ruled the world oh and- probably yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I would argue that E.M. Forster is very much about class, you yes. know, and in a, in a way that he's not, he's, he's not in favour of the, the hoity toities, as you would call mm. them. You know what I mean? And a passage. Have you have you seen a passage in the India? Another one of his books that David Lean made into a movie, like it was no, like oh, nominated for best picture. Like that is all about. Funnily enough, because we were recently talking about RRR. It's all about the. It's set in the twenties in the Raj around the time that RRR would have been set, you know. But he is not. He is not in the way that I would say Julian Fellows, who writes Stanton Abbey, is. Mm. That is that is aristocrat porn. Oh, it is. Yeah, you're watching there, and it's all on. It's whatever. Um, but he is a writer who you know was was in writing in that era, uh, but is more. Uh, I suppose interested in the themes of that, you know, oh, the yeah. themes of class, as opposed to glorifying the the upper class and saying, "Aren't they great?" and look at all the lavish houses and the the wealth that they have and and what have you. And it is essentially, it's it's the reason I think that this film works is, uh, or the the story works is that it's characters, it's characters mm. that are interesting, you know. Yeah, mm. and that's why you don't want it to go with Cecil because he is everything that's kind of wrong with class and the upper classes you know in in and like you wonder what will become of lucy if she did get married to him would she just become this kind of stiff one feeling she'd be taken you know, out to play the piano at dinner yeah, parties that'd be yeah. it. but not and the beethoven not no, the passion not the beethoven no. yeah yeah and i don't that because I'm, be... again i'm not sure what he does he doesn't do anything does he so bar walk around reading books so and... she'd be stuck with him constantly yeah yeah, <laughs> know, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. She'd be like so a Niall, candle going out. Yeah, she would. And uh, so, Niall, you liked it more than Ross, anyway. Oh, I did. I I really enjoyed watching it. I did. And like I say, it's it's. I probably would have been a bit more like not. It's not that. I can't, I can't remember the first time I've seen it, but I, mm. like I say, I've seen it, and a lot of these merchant like I was going, is it Herod's End? Is it is it Wings of the Dove? Which and that's yeah. not even a merchant ivory one. But I was but trying to work, trying to remember what it was, yeah. and I I I the like one of the things as well that I didn't remember. I was kind of I kind of thought it was all set in Italy, but it's not. It's like yeah. only the first first third of the movie really. Um, but I really enjoyed watching it again. Um, the first time maybe I would have, and I would have been younger than ross i suppose but i might have had a little bit i might have had that same kind of thing where i was just like oh this is why would i be interested in a load of stiff shirts mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, playing tennis on the lawn and talking about what they're gonna have for tea and and all this but um because now i'm more mature because <laughs> i have an understanding of fine because arts i came into and... <laughs> because i came into a great amount of money <laughs> from a long lost <laughs> uncle who has a private estate yeah i now understand it <laughs> i now yeah. understand it yeah. Um, I no, I did. I really enjoyed it. And like I say, I found it. Um, I found all of the cast are brilliant. I found it much funnier than I thought it was going to be, or I remembered it being. And um, lovely little lines, lovely little kind of you know, we've. I think I've kind of um highlighted the ones that I can remember certainly. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I really really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I'd certainly get a good leaving cert English essay. Yes. 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look, I was being probably a little facetious as well, the way I was going on about it. It's it was an enjoyable watch. There is humor in there. The the, the scenery looks stunning. Um I just think maybe some of the 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 way the characters act and treat each other, I find it hard to associate myself with or get any kind of connection that's really the, the the issue i had with it i didn't feel like i had a real connection with any of the main characters in the film and i think that's what maybe took me out of it a little bit but it's not without its uh it's not without its merits it just wasn't for me okay well for your 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 punishment ross is to watch uh three henry james adaptations <laughs> and um the entire four seasons and three films of Denton Abbey. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you enjoyed our look at the gorgeous A Room With A View. Till next time, film fans. Ta-ta. I shall see you at the cinematograph. (laughs) Sorry. Somebody rescue that damsel in distress. Yeah. Sorry, (laughs) I was being a bit of a... He swooned. Someone... (laughs) He swooned. (laughs) This corset is too tight. (laughs) He saw three naked men swimming in the lake and now he's <laughs> You have been listening to The Real Take, presented by Sinead Brassel, Ross Leedy, and Niall O'Brien. Our music was provided by actor, artist and musician Will Guppy. You can find him on Instagram at will.guppy. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast. If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at therealtakepodcast at gmail.com. See you at the movies. <laughs>